Some things shouldn't be transparent, like stop signs. But what you pay for should always be clear, like Hiller's true transparency pricing, always clearly itemized and never any hidden fees. Because you have the right to know what you're paying for. For more information, visit happyhiller.com slash true transparency pricing. Happy you'll be of the services free. Call the Happy Face Truck today. The Zone's non-stop sports talk continues with a look at Nashville's teams and at news around the nation from the lead writer of 1045thezone.com. This is the Big Six. The Big Six with Jason Martin. And here we go. Straight up. Well, 5.59 by my watch. It's time for the one and only Big Six here on 104.5 The Zone. My name is Jason Martin. I'm on Twitter at jmartzone. Our telephone number is 615-737-1045. On a Monday before the snow that either is or isn't going to fall, even though a lot of schools already closing for tomorrow, one that's closed all week due to illness. There's all sorts of things going on. I may give you a list of school closings. At some point during this hour, I am blessed beyond measure. I hope you recognize that you are as well. Ryan Mudd is behind the glass, been in the Dials radio style for me tonight. All the rest of the guys on their way down to Atlanta for Super Bowl radio row coverage that begins tomorrow here on 104.5 The Zone. I will join them Wednesday, broadcasting live Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday from Atlanta. Going to be a lot of fun if you like interviews with Absolutely anybody and everybody from the world of entertainment, sports, and otherwise, this is your week. And everybody's going to be down there pushing it hard. And it's going to be a lot of fun as we lead into this Patriots-Rams game. But, so, one thing that I would tell you that smart people do in this world is they listen to other people talk. The best thing that you can do if you are trying to increase wisdom is to every once in a while not talk yourself and listen to people that know things that you don't and recognize what you don't know. And especially when you're just around people that you trust, people that you know are intelligent, when they say things, you can use those things to get somewhere. And sometimes you get questions asked of you. And yesterday I had a friend ask me about the Pro Bowl and, you know, she mentioned she's not ever going to watch it, thinks it's ridiculous, all sorts of things like that. Mentioned the NFL overtime rule, which she was completely right about because she was on my side on that issue. And she said something about Tom Brady that I may save and use later on in the week. But you you guys all know my colleague, Jeff Schwartz. He's a frequent guest on this show. He will be catching up with me live down in Atlanta this week. Always my co-host on Fox Sports Radio when we fill in on Outkick the Coverage for Clay Travis. He played in the NFL for eight years, five different teams as an offensive lineman. His brother Mitchell on the OL of the Kansas City Chiefs, widely regarded as the best right tackle in the game. He and I don't always agree, but I do try to take occasion to pay attention to what he says and what he writes. And that goes for him and a chorus of many others on issues where I find myself with a strong opinion. One thing that I sometimes have to remind myself of, and this goes back to what I said just a minute ago, Wisdom comes from understanding as much what I don't know as what I think I do know. And in that process, sometimes getting a little quiet and listening 
or reading or just consuming the opinions of others can be infinitely valuable. So let's talk about yesterday's Pro Bowl. Joe Rexrode of the Tennessee, and for my money, he's the most talented scribe in the Music City. A great guy. He's very reasoned in his takes. Sometimes he can talk me off being too negative with a bit of nuance on Twitter and 280 characters. So he tweets out yesterday something to the effect of it being 25 years or so since he's watched a single snap of the Pro Bowl. Now, I can't claim the same, but I can claim something similar. I've been in a sports bar when it's been on. Last year, I was with Clay in Minneapolis when we arrived and the Pro Bowl was on, and so it was kind of on on the side. But I can never recall a moment where I actually sat down intentionally to experience the NFL's version of the All-Star game. Because, quite frankly, I find it ridiculous. I recall exactly two things in the history of this game, in my lifetime at least. One would be this. Yeah. Brian Morgan is going to fake it on the run, and he's going to come up short. And that is why. Congratulated Sean Taylor. <laughs> I don't know if it was a fake. It might be he just decided to run with it. But Sean Taylor came from about 30 yards back and just ran right to Brander. Two and through. Whether it was his decision or not, guess what? It was a bad choice. 2003, the late, great Sean Taylor. Brian Mormon decides he's going to fake a punt, the Bills punter, and Sean Taylor annihilates him with one of the great tackles you'll see in a game that matters or a game like the Pro Bowl. If you have not seen that highlight, the audio, as good as it is, especially that first crowd reaction on that smack, you can find that on YouTube and it's worth your time. So that's number one. And the second thing that I know and remember from the Pro Bowl is this. Here we are. I'm out of my third Pro Bowl. We're talking about our idiot kicker who got liquored up and ran his mouth off. So what has the sports world come to? We're talking about idiot kickers. He has ruined kickers for life. Acres and Vinatieri, these guys are great guys. They've been getting killed all week because our idiot ran his mouth. So when I get home, I'll deal with it. Tony and I talked about it. It's kind of funny, really, when you think about it. If he is still a teammate, we'll deal with it. You know, that remains to be seen. But the sad thing is, Lynn, he's a good kicker. He's a good kicker, but he's an idiot. Peyton Manning, talking about Mike Vanderjack. Our idiot kicker got liquored up. Those are the two things that I remember from the Pro Bowl. Neither one of those things did I see live. I saw them in highlights. Bless whoever made it possible to see what matters without having to suffer through what didn't. If only that existed for something like Roma or Avatar, I could have gotten out of those two films combined in about 20 minutes rather than wasting five hours. The Pro Bowl is a thing, and it's a thing that always does great ratings. Over 8 million people watched it yesterday because pro football always does great ratings. It's a misnomer to act like the Pro Bowl matters for that reason, but it's an argument nonetheless. But back to Jeff Schwartz. He writes for SB Nation. Incidentally, I used to write for them as well. He's written twice on the Pro Bowl in the past handful of months, so I'm going to read you a couple of things from these pieces, and then I'm going to refute some of it. Because back to my earlier point, it's important to listen to people smarter than you and to take what they say into consideration. 
but that does not mean that everything they say is gospel either. So here's point one from Jeff's article that he wrote back in December about the Pro Bowl. And this was sort of an interesting article because it was written mainly to try and explain or to fix the problem that because left tackle is so valued in the NFL that right tackles often don't get voted into the Pro Bowl at all. And so he suggested adding four with one having to be a right tackle. And again, his brother is probably the best right tackle in the league. And he said, look, this doesn't have anything to do with that. It has to do with the fact that right tackles almost never get voted in because of the importance of the left tackle. So that was the sort of premise of the article ahead of time. But here's what he wrote. Some might ask, why is the Pro Bowl important? Well, it's used in contract negotiations. It's used for Hall of Fame arguments. It's used as a status symbol. You want that recognition from your peers. Of course you'd want to make the Pro Bowl. That from his article. Now, I get what Jeff's saying here completely. I wouldn't have needed to read that to have gotten it. If the question is to any football player, would you like to make the Pro Bowl or would you not like to make the Pro Bowl, 100% of the players would say, I would like to make the Pro Bowl. Because making the Pro Bowl is an honor. And interestingly, although I'm not sure we entirely think of it this way, yeah, it makes total sense. An agent would use that in the negotiating process. And past that, Hall of Fame credentials, credentials by their very definition, things like accolades, honors, accomplishments, all those things can go into it. But rather than disagree with the underlying premise of that portion of the argument, Let me first read what Jeff wrote this weekend in a larger piece about the game. And this is going to be a little bit lengthier. Please stop complaining about the Pro Bowl. Here's the first rule of Pro Bowl watching. If you're going to complain about the game on social media, don't watch the game. If you think the game is moving too slow or it's not physical enough or whatever, then don't watch. No one is forcing it upon you, so I don't want to hear the snark. Go spend time with your families or watch basketball. With all that being said, yes, the Pro Bowl isn't played with the same emotion, physicality, or attention to detail as a regular season game. Want to know why? Because it's an exhibition game between the best players in the league. And he puts that in quotes. It's a showcase. It's not a real game, and therefore it won't get real effort until the end. I know the old guard will complain about the way they played in this game, but the stakes are different now. The money isn't the same. I get why the players aren't going hard. Argument two, the Pro Bowl still matters to the players. The Pro Bowl still matters because of status. When it's time to dissect a certain career, we use on-field production, stats, wins, and personal accolades to get the full scope of a career. Making a Pro Bowl is one of the big personal accolades we can lean on for nuance about a career. Player X was great but only made three Pro Bowls. Player 9 was equally as good but made eight Pro Bowls. Player 9 or player Y, is looked upon more favorably. Some players also have incentives in their contracts if they make a Pro Bowl. So yes, the Pro Bowl still means something. That from Jeff Schwartz this weekend on SB Nation. All right, so let's tear this thing apart a little bit. If you have thoughts, if you watch this game and you think it matters, you can let me know that. If you think it needs to be scrapped or changed, You can call us and let us know that as well at 615-737-1045. I don't think anybody listening to me disagrees with Jeff that players in pro football want to be recognized as pro bowlers. That is an accolade. That was a word he used, as a matter of fact. Nobody is going to turn down an award. Whoever it is that wins the Academy Award is going to be happy to win it. 
And that's the easy side. But whoever wins the Kids' Choice Award on Nickelodeon is going to like that as well. Even if that award then gets stuffed in a drawer somewhere and not placed on the mantle. Because human beings love to be praised. Innately. The pride reflex inside all of us is the one that we don't really want to acknowledge. But it's also the one that we can't deny. We have got to actively daily fight against our own pride in order to even attempt to remain humble. It's just part of our nature. It's unfortunate, but it's the truth. So there's no question Taylor Lewan or, or Brett Kern or whoever else you want to mention loves being recognized by the fans. They love being recognized by the media. They love being recognized by their colleagues, whatever the criteria is for any award. But that's not really enough. There is a gigantic difference between being honored and then having to act on that honor. And that, to me, is where Jeff Schwartz makes too big a leap here when talking about the players care about the Pro Bowl. Do they care about the Pro Bowl? Or do they care about being recognized as a pro bowler? 615-737-737. 1045. Your thoughts on the Pro Bowl? We'll take that. I've got more on this. I've got more to say about what Jeff had to say and trying to explain why the Pro Bowl is broken in a way that can't really be fixed. And we will do that next. The Big Six rolls along here on a Monday on 1045 The Zone. On a Monday here, 104.5 The Zone. I'm Jason Martin. This is The Big Six. I'm on Twitter at jmartzone. Little Cage the Elephant. Little Bowling Green Kentucky coming your way tonight. Cry baby. Big fan of those guys. 615-737-1045. 737-1045 to join this program. I spent the entire first segment and we'll continue. And I see a couple of callers on the line. We'll get to you here in just a second. Talking about the Pro Bowl. And kind of reading from Jeff Schwartz's thoughts, who uh, comes on this show quite frequently and guest hosts with me on Fox Sports Radio when we're in on the morning there for Clay Travis relatively often. And he was saying, look, the Pro Bowl still matters. Stop questioning it. The, the players like it and blah, blah, blah. And I think that I can understand part of the premise, which is, yes, it's cool to be named a Pro Bowler. Not that I would know from experience, But every time I've ever gotten a trophy, I've been excited about it. Only time I've not been excited is the green participant ribbon from field day. You can keep that one. Apparently, I was not good enough that day. I don't know. Maybe trying to run with a hard-boiled egg or a regular egg on a spoon or whatever it was that I was being asked to do at that point. You could probably keep that one. But as I said, Kids' Choice Award, whatever it is, When you win that thing, it's awesome because when you win anything, it's awesome because pride exists in all of us to a fault, believe me. But making the Pro Bowl and playing in the Pro Bowl are two different things. There should be Pro Bowl teams, even though we already have all pro teams and we have first, second, third team All-Americans in college, first, second, and third team All-NBA That's just basic sense. You honor the elite performers from that calendar year because it benefits the sport and it gives it a little more than just the games and the champions. 
and there's a bonus benefit in that of being able to create more stars and names of note. I don't know if you've ever really thought about this, but think about it. If the only honor that could exist in the NFL were the Super Bowl itself and the champion, we would not have an objective metric where we could throw a Patrick Mahomes out there, for example, and be able to actually label him an all-pro or say, that's MVP Patrick Mahomes. Those things, those descriptors, those modifications to just Patrick Mahomes, the quarterback of the Kansas City Chiefs, being able to say MVP or all-pro or whatever it might be, those kinds of things make him not just more valuable to his family in terms of the money that he can generate, but more marketable to the sport as a whole, more marketable to the population as a whole. But why is there an actual football game play? If you want to name the Pro Bowl teams, maybe have some fun with a skills challenge if you want, do some events, or just have the Pro Bowl honorees as part of the NFL awards ceremony each year, whatever you want to do, okay. But the football game itself is just pure absurdity. If it weren't, why would so many guys skip playing in it? Unlike every other major sport, the Pro Bowl happens between the conference title games and the Super Bowl when everybody but two teams are done playing. And that's because the physicality of the sport itself would make it nearly impossible for owners in the league to even allow its players, if they wanted to, to compete in the middle of the season. But it's still risky now. Plus, we don't get anybody from the two best teams in the league. Presumably, the two best teams are the ones that make the Super Bowl. Now, you're gonna, you can argue against that from time to time. But two really good football teams where you would feel pretty confident that each would have their share of pro bowlers. So I've got another analogy, but let's take a couple of phone calls. 615-737-1045. Scott in Lebanon leading us off here on this Monday. Scott, how are you? Hey, good. Um, you know, I think a lot gets made about the pro bowl, bowl, good and bad. At the end of the day, it's an exhibition. It's an opportunity. Um, I think they should maybe incorporate some more. I mean, what I think, about the NBA and the, you know, Major League Baseball, I think about the home run derby and the dunk contest. I think they could make it a lot more fun leading up. But they should still play the game in the sense that, you know, it gives people stuff to talk about. You can see good players play, you know, in combinations you wouldn't ordinarily see. Uh, but, you know, and at the, in the same vein, I mean, you're going to see the Super Bowl um, competitors playing. So, I mean, as far as not having them involved, I mean, I think that totally makes sense. But, I'm not sure why people make such a big deal because I think the net win is good. You want those the recognitions. You want those nominations. It's a way to talk about the best players. I do think they need to expand the categories like you, the point you made on right tackle. Um, and, and I'll hang up and listen. I, I can see people that don't watch it. I don't watch it. But it doesn't mean I don't think they should have it. <laughs> so yeah, okay. No, I, mean, I get that. Every single argument that he just made, though, was about making the Pro Bowl, not actually playing in it. That's my whole point is name the teams, give the honors, but don't play the game. Because the risks involved in the fact that they're playing at a quarter speed and that it just it's an unnecessary football game to be played. Chase in White House next year on the Big Six. Chase, how are you? I'm doing good. How are you? Good. Yeah, basically what I was going to say is, is, is really and truly the people that are nominated and brought onto the Pro Bowl team anyways, if they're not skilled position. I mean, really, it's just a popularity contest that people are, you know, when they're voting online, they happen to know the name. Sometimes your tackles and stuff like Taylor DeWan didn't really have that great of a year. 
yet he's still in the Pro Bowl simply because people know his name. Um, and I think that that should you know be looked at as far as uh, you know. I guess weighted a little bit differently as far as what, what votes count better, in my opinion. Uh, you know, especially if it's going to count for, uh, you know, getting extra money or whatever. Like, Taylor Wan didn't really have that great of a year. Why was he a Pro Bowler? I bet someone more deserving is out there, maybe that folks don't know his name as well, you know? Yeah, and I think that you make a lot of sense there, and that is a problem when the fans have a large say, at least, in selecting all-star participants because you get legacy guys and you get older guys that were good five years ago, but they still have recognizable names. And that's been a problem in the NBA. It's been a problem in a lot of different places. Uh, so there's a point to be made there, but I want to, here's this other analogy that I have for you. So bear with me on this. I host squared circle radio and I worked in pro wrestling for a decade. And I want to take this to pro wrestling just for a second. Bret Hart, one of the real legends of the ring, one of the more skilled technical performers in the history of the industry. He's not the only one that said this, but he's always talked about how going half speed or in, in wrestling parlance trying to pull punches rather than work what's called tight or snug, meaning he's actually making contact. He would err on the side of it being rough and more real than it being ultra safe. And he says that when you go half speed, when you are pulling your punches, that is a recipe for getting hurt. Half speed requires a body to do something it's not generally conditioned to do for an athlete. This Pro Bowl is three and a half quarters almost every year of, of half speed at best, tiptoeing around with no defense, no tackling. We saw all of that yesterday, or you did. I didn't watch. And it's just asking for a freak injury. Now, that has not happened very often, thank goodness. But the fact that it hasn't happened doesn't mean we should be bothering to completely test our luck every year. Create some other event during the dead Sunday prior to the Super Bowl that keeps us invested rather than playing a glorified flag football game where being named to the team matters. Again, not arguing that it's not cool to be a pro bowler. Arguing that playing in a game, especially now that they're not in Hawaii, I mean, who is who is who exactly is the NFL player that is excited about that free trip to Orlando every year? When you're going to Hawaii, well, that's still a trip to Hawaii. And they do get a, a decent chunk of change. And one thing Jeff Schwartz pointed out in his article that I didn't read is that the money being given out needs to be more to match the new salaries and to make it more interesting for, for people to want to be pro bowlers. But I don't think that the issue is that people don't want to be pro bowlers. It's about playing in the actual game itself. Suiting up and playing in the game, I just I don't know of a whole lot of players that probably would be interested in doing that because their bodies are their livelihood. It's just an extra exhibition. That's what the caller said, the first caller here tonight, that it's an exhibition. Right, it's an exhibition that doesn't need to occur. And Jeff's other point was don't complain if you watch the game. Okay, agreed. But I don't watch the game ever so if it's cool with jeff my buddy i'm gonna complain about it today and maybe every year well i'm not actually going to complain i'm just going to argue it's something that doesn't need to exist there's no upside to these four quarters there's no real great television here there's a lot of really just dull sideline interviews with various people yes you get to see superstars or the ones that allow themselves to play and don't end up having replacements 
or the ones that actually make the Super Bowl that can't be in it, you get those replacement guys, whatever it is, it just, there's no reason for it to be here. Naming the teams, and the All-Pro is really enough. You don't really need the Pro Bowl. Just who's All-Pro? First team, second team, third team. Whatever. However you want to dole that out, dole it out. But playing the game, just the logic fails for me. There's no upside, again, to any of the four quarters that are being played on the field unless we are counting anti-Tony Romo. That means Jason Witten, who in what has to be the perfect capper to his rookie season, much maligned rookie season as a broadcaster on ESPN's Monday Night Football, tried to give Patrick Mahomes the Pro Bowl trophy and broke it. There is nothing more 2018 television broadcaster Jason Witten than decapitating the Pro Bowl trophy while trying to hand it off at the end of that game. Absolutely incredible. And again, bless the person who made highlights a thing because you can go find that on YouTube and watch it in nine seconds as opposed to watching a three-hour exhibition that makes no sense. 615-737-1045. 737-1045 if you have thoughts on the Pro Bowl. Up next, the story that will not die. One team is not playing on Sunday. And people will still not shut up about it. You won't believe the latest twist in this story. I've got it for you next. It's the Big Six here on 104.5 The Zone. It's the Big Six here on 104.5 The Zone. I'm Jason Martin on Twitter at jmartzone. Little Dawes, they'll be at the Ryman pretty soon. Right on time, the name of this tune, Ryan Mudd behind the glass, spinning the dials radio style for me tonight. 615-737-1045 to join me. I've got, I can't believe this is still actually happening, but we'll do it here in just a second. Let's get to one more phone call quickly. David in Mount Juliet joins us next on the Big Six. David, what's up? Hey, guys. Uh, good show. Really enjoy it. Um, I was thinking just here listening to uh, you talk about it, and I know with injuries being, you know, such a focus and all that and added snaps being an issue, you know, do away with that thought process. And if we're just talking about solely making the Pro Bowl entertaining, why not do away with, you know, you, you, they talk about you want to spend more money, make, make the players make more money. Okay, I don't know if it's like a $500 sack or, you know, like a, right. a $5,000, you know, dollar touchdown, whatever it is, have these guys get voted to the Pro Bowl and have a chance to go out there and, you know, have fun and incentivize it. You know, if, if there's a first team and a second team, I don't know about a third team, you know, whatever, but it's only, you know, they're still going to have equal playing time. Somehow you'll divvy that out. And, um, I mean, I think it would honestly add even more controversy. You know, what if uh, a young quarterback is uh, playing in the Super Bowl like Jared Goff, yet he wanted to go have a chance to go, make money you know then you have crazy stuff you know it's just it's just thought i know it'll probably never ever happen but i'm thinking it'd be pretty dope and you know they'd obviously again being incentivized at least they'd probably try in the game and if they don't then they're just going to pass it off to someone else just like they do now will try who's going to be down to go to make some money right yeah no that's that's an interesting way to think of it one thing jeff mentioned in his piece was that 
the pay structure should change the incentives in terms of the winning team gets two hundred and fifty grand and the losing team gets twenty five. And then all of a sudden you might get more effort or two hundred and fifty thousand per whoever or however it is that you want to do it. I just don't think that the game it's not going to change because eight million people are watching it. So it's sort of futile to sit here and talk about it. I recognize that. But it's just it's a name to me. Also a name. I can't even begin to tell you how crazy this is. I don't know if you knew this, but the New Orleans Saints lost to the Los Angeles Rams last Sunday. Largely or entirely because of the worst no-call in league history. I'm not sure if you knew about that or not. It hasn't been covered all that much. The Super Bowl is six days away. Six days away. We're all on Radio Row starting tomorrow. I'll be there Wednesday as South Carolina hosts Tennessee tomorrow night. In basketball during this slot, too, you'll be listening to that here on 104.5 Zone, the number one Vols at South Carolina, and they are sold out, by the way, down in Columbia. So that's going to be a crazy atmosphere. But the Super Bowl is six days away, and this Saints story is still going on. I was certain we were done with this on Friday. I was also sure we were done with it on Thursday and on Wednesday. And on yeah, you get the idea. But guess what? We are not done with it because I guess ESPN just needed another story on its website entitled Concern Around NFL That Four Officials in NFC Championship Game Live in Southern California. Written by ESPN senior writer Adam Schefter. Now, the Big Six asks, why is this a thing? I agree with Annie Lennox. Folks, I copy and pasted this entire piece into a counter this afternoon. This thing is 1,094 words long. And I want to read one portion of it in particular to you really quick. Quote, the Saints and other officials not involved in the game do not believe that these officials' geographical ties influence their non-call, according to sources. Officiating assignments are communicated to clubs on Monday, and there were no complaints from either the Rams or Saints in advance, according to a league source. But in a league constantly trying to safeguard the integrity of the game, there are some privately wondering how four officials with Southern California roots wound up officiating a conference championship game that involved a Los Angeles team, unquote. So the Saints the victims of the worst crimes since John F. Kennedy was assassinated in Dallas, Texas, based on social media reaction over the last week, do not believe that these officials' geographical ties influence their non-qual. So who are the, quote, some privately wondering, unquote, that again have no names in any of the over 1,000 words in this article? And while we're at it, yeah, the optics are definitely bad, if you're even paying attention to where officials we've never heard of before happen to be from. But how about the idea that Jared Goff's face mask call that also wasn't made near this no call heard around the world would have likely allowed the Rams to win in regulation. Oh, and then there's this also from the article quoted directly in another interesting twist before the conference title game Rams fans launched a petition to prevent Vinovich 
from working their team's game because Los Angeles had gone 0-8 in games that Vinovich had officiated since 2012. Vinovich's regular season crew, which features two of the other three officials from Southern California, also officiated the Rams' regular season losses this season to the Saints and the Eagles, which contributed to New Orleans earning the number one seed and getting home field advantage in last Sunday's game. In the first Los Angeles-New Orleans game this season, a 45-35 Saints victory, the crew missed a fake field goal spot, and it contributed to costing the Rams the game. Vinovich's crew called more penalties against Los Angeles than its opponents in all nine Rams games he has officiated. Okay, so they're from Cali, but they've never been in the tank for the Rams before to the extent that the organization's own fan base rallied to try and keep this crew from doing the games. I called this whole thing madness last week, and I am seriously now sitting here wondering where exactly the next argument is coming from that's going to keep this alive. Now, should Vinovich's crew have done the AFC game instead? Sure. If even the league, not just us, if even the NFL were paying attention to where its officials live or are from, has anybody, and I mean anybody, ever cared about this before the fact? And I mean before the fact at any time in the past. I would think even gambling degenerates before this game didn't even think about this. It was a terrible call. We know this. Let's go ahead and fix PI review or judgment call review. Got it. Totally agree with the CFL and how they've tweaked it. Totally sensible. Ben Watson statements, civil lawsuits, NFL rule book being misquoted without the caveats and the addendums to try and change this result. And now... Four of the darn officials happen to be Californians. The Saints lost. And that may and almost assuredly was injustice. But this story that will not die, especially this latest twist, how and why is this still a thing? And New Orleans is having a real rough time of it, folks. Because it's not just the Saints. It's also the Pelicans. The biggest non-Super Bowl-related story of the day. Anthony Davis. Next. Big Six, 104.5 The Zone. This- Segment Big Six 104.5 The Zone. Ryan Adams, Magnolia Mountain. First track on Cold Roses. That's an album you should already know plenty about. If you don't, go find it. 615-737-1045. I'm Jason Martin. Glad to be with you as always tonight on Twitter at jmartzone. Headed to the Super Bowl. I'll be headed down Wednesday broadcasting live for the remainder of that week. Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. 3HL and the Midday 180 tomorrow through Friday, and the Wake Up Zone will be there later in the week as well. 
Do I want to run down the school closings? Even though it seems like the forecast is going in the opposite direction, doesn't look like we're going to potentially get what looked like we might get a couple of days ago, but you never know. It's going to be incredibly cold for the next couple of days either way. But it appears that this is just kind of how it is today. Back in the day, I would have to wake up as a kid every morning thinking maybe I'll get lucky and school will get closed. Now it usually gets closed a lot earlier. Academy for GOD opening two hours late tomorrow. Bedford County closed. Cannon County closed. Cheatham County, two hours late. Christian Community, two hours late. Clay County, two hours late. Coffee County closed. Covenant Academy Morrison closed. Davidson County, two hours late. Dixon County, two hours late. Extended care open. Explorer Community School, two hours late. Fayetteville City, closed. Franklin County, closed. Giles and Grundy County, closed. Hickman, Houston, Humphreys. Jackson, opening two hours late. Lancaster Christian Academy, two hours late. Staff, one hour. Lincoln County, closed. Macon County, two hours late. Manchester, closed. Moore closed. Overton, Pickett, Pleasant View Christian, two hours late. Priest Lake, two and a half hours late. Putnam County, two hours late. Restoring Hope Christian Academy closed. Robertson, Rocket Ship Education, Rutherford County, Stewart County, Sumner County, all two hours late. Temple Baptist Christian closed. Tennessee Tech, one and a half hours late. Tullahoma City closed. United Christian Academy, two hours late. Van Buren closed. Warren County closed and Wilson County closed all week due to illness and a lack of extended care. So they are out through Friday. We could see this coming, taking it back to sports, talked about New Orleans and the Saints. Now let's talk about something else. We could see this coming, so I'm not sure where the news is necessarily here, except for the timing of it. This is more about the speculation. Anthony Davis has told the Pelicans organization he's not going to re-sign with them. He's not going to sign an extension with them. Why would he? Even though that team plays hard and they have some good tertiary pieces, what they don't have is a second or third superstar. And in the NBA, without a super team, your chances are incredibly dim. And this is not just talking about the Warriors, and this did not even start just with the Miami Heat when LeBron, D. Wade, and Chris Bosh united. This is how it usually is, unless you're Michael Jordan, but even he had a perfect second banana in Scottie Pippen. Those Rockets teams had Hakeem and Clyde the Glide. Showtime Lakers, they had Magic Johnson, Kareem, James Worthy, plus some exquisite role players, your Michael Coopers and guys like that. The Shaq-Kobe Lakers, well, they had Shaq and Kobe. Then Kobe grabbed Pau Gasol and battled with another super team constructed around the same time with Kevin Garnett, Ray Allen, and Paul Pierce in Boston. The Spurs, they had their own triumvirate. Tim Duncan, Tony Parker, Manu Ginobili. As one of them aged, in came Kawhi Leonard. The Cavs had Kyrie to go with LeBron, and then they got Kevin Love. Golden State, well, we know what they've got. They've got a starting five, all with multiple all-star appearances. Same with Houston, trying to compete with them, going out and getting Chris Paul to add to James Harden. They tried with Carmelo Anthony, but he's not Carmelo Anthony anymore. Carmelo was in Oklahoma City as well with Russell Westbrook and Paul George. Westbrook and George are still there, and, well, again, didn't work out with Carmelo Anthony. And before that point, when I think they could have won, when Durant was still there, at one point they had Durant, James Harden, Serge Ibaka, 
and Russell Westbrook on the same roster at the exact same time. Couldn't quite get it done. But even after shipping out James Harden, Russell Westbrook and Kevin Durant had a 3-1 to lead on the Golden State Warriors and let it slip away. And I think they would have won the NBA championship had they just been able to polish off Golden State in one of those last three games. But this is what the NBA is. So in New Orleans, it's been Anthony Davis, and then it's been a bunch of good players, talented players, but not great transcendent players. And then when you look at that market, Drew Brees owns the town along with the Saints. LSU a close second. Some people might say they're number one. The Pels don't really have that much to offer. So, of course, Anthony Davis wants to go win a championship, and he wants a big money deal to go send him to a place where he can actually be a superstar on a different level. The obvious destination is Los Angeles with the Lakers. But that only works if LeBron isn't about to fall off a cliff. And this is interesting, but one thing I've been thinking about lately is that this time off that LeBron has had due to this groin injury, it might actually be the best thing possible for the Lakers and for James. Because this, I guess it's nearly 20 games now, between 15 to 20 games that he's missed have enabled him to rest forcibly so in a year where Los Angeles had very little chance, if any, of mattering in the Western Conference playoffs unless they made some kind of a blockbuster move. But LBJ is on a clock going forward. His body is eventually going to break down. For such a physical player who goes as hard as LeBron James does, his health and lack of injury have all been truly remarkable, historically so. Now, if AD goes there and LeBron finally becomes, well, he turns into what a 35-year-old is in the NBA, is that the place you want to be? Boston wants him. That's a really young core team. Even if Kyrie were to leave, you've still got a lot of pieces there. The East is still winnable all the time. But because of collective bargaining agreement rules, the Celtics and Danny Ainge have to wait until July the 7th to trade for him, even if he were to agree before that point because of Kyrie being on the roster and the money involved between those two deals. The Denver Nuggets want him, and they're really good right now. They're having a great season. But they strike me more as a high-end Pelicans or a Portland kind of team than a top-flight championship contender. And why would you, if you're Anthony Davis, think you're going to be a big star as a Denver Nugget competing against the Warriors, the Lakers, and any number of other guys for the next half decade? Now, I totally get why he wants to leave. His destination is going to be fascinating to watch and to see what team tries to make a move first. In my head, I was thinking... You know, I've always heard Charles Barkley talk about how Damian Lillard and C.J. McCollum can't really play together because of the way their games are structured in Portland. I don't know how you do it because I haven't looked at it. I'm just kind of spitballing here, but Anthony Davis with Dame would work. Anthony Davis with McCollum would be interesting. I don't know if that'd be enough to dethrone the Warriors, but I don't know if anything's going to be enough to dethrone the Warriors unless you go to the Lakers, and I still say they're the favorite. His agent, Anthony Davis, is Rich Paul of Clutch Sports, also LeBron James's agent. The timing of this is designed to benefit the Lakers, to try and force their hand to try and get this deal done and also make it so that New Orleans has no leverage whatsoever and they've got to try and find something quickly. Davis would fit on that team. When you add him to somebody like Giannis with the Bucks. those two guys' games are unique at their size. That versatility is invaluable in a league full of smaller guys that can shoot. He's a big dude that can shoot. He can move around the rim. He's problematic in the paint. He's problematic from 15 feet, from 20 feet. 
He plays defense. He blocks shots. He passes well. He's got good hands. Top five to seven player in the league at worst. He is currently injured, and he has dealt with some of that in his career. But he's 29 and 13. My prediction is he's going to be a Laker. Now an incredible Super Bowl stat for you to make you smarter. This is from John Ewing. Tom Brady and the New England Patriots, they're really good. They have been for a long time. Here's one for you. Their record together when facing a first-time season opponent in the NFL playoffs, 16-1. and The only loss, the Eagles in the Super Bowl this past year. This will be the first meeting with the Rams. We'll see you down on Radio Row starting tomorrow. Clear eyes, full hearts, can't lose. God bless and good night. Vol Calls is next.